O-R-G. Please stay tuned. Coming up next, it's Cover to Cover with your host, Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is Tuesday, the 27th of April. Three more days left of International Poetry Month. I hope I have time to read you some poetry. Yes. <laughs> Julia Vinograd says, The trouble with poets is nobody shoots them. Actually, I know a few who've been shot at. But anyway, if April was the cruelest month, or is still the cruelest month, uh, yep, then May looks like the making of mayhem. Hell's bells. Oh, yes. The human race is doing the best it can. They tell me, uh, I don't know. In the old days, we had the disaster de jour, you know. Now, you've got a dozen disasters. Before breakfast, uh, my, my line all week long, I've been going around muttering, uh, the line of the king in Hamlet. He, he turns to his wife. At some point late in the play, and he says, Oh, Gertrude, when troubles come, they come not single spies, but in battalions, whole armies of agony. I can't remember, you know, um, the, the earthquakes, the, um, the coal mines, there's so many things. Uh, whatever happens on Tuesdays, forgotten by Friday. I heard some folks arguing this week over whether uh, the crimes against humanity, you know, uh, that immigration mess in Arizona, whether that was a, a bigger tragedy than the oil spill off the coast of Louisiana. Did they say 600 miles, 600 square miles of oil already? I looked at the maps. Uh, it is not... It is not the sort of thing that old people like me can cope with. I'm one of those people who just, just thinks, well, you know, I, I'll call somebody and they'll do something, you know. Anyway, uh, I'm glad that people are, are arguing over which tragedy is the most tragic, you know. My atrocity is more atrocious than yours, that kind of thing. Uh I guess the late, great Molly Ivins used to tell us, she used to say, listen, you've got to laugh or you will go insane. See the surrealism of it all? 
Oh, how I miss Molly Ivins. Where is she now that we need her? She used to say, in the old days, she would talk about her home state of Texas. And she was always happy to point out the uh, the ills of her beloved Texans and all of the things that they were up to, especially with regard to uh, W. But then uh, she always added, she said, one thing she said, no matter how bad things get, we never blame the Mexicans. I dug through my videotapes and I've been looking for um, films about... uh, Central America, Mexico. The best one I know is El Norte. It's old now, but uh, I'm going to have a movie night. I think we have to have movie nights. Some of my clueless acquaintances don't understand about this uh, immigrant thing. They keep saying, well, you know, they're not legal. I said, no, no, wait, 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 wait a minute. you got 12 million people here. Did you plan to put them all in jail? I guess they planned that in Arizona. I remember old Barry Goldwater. I wish he were still around. Uh, an intelligent Republican. That's kind of uh, a misnomer. Anyway, El Norte was a uh, uh, very poetic lyric film. It um, focused on Central American refugees, Guatemalans, I think. Anyway, illegals who come to this country in one way or another, if they don't die literally of uh, uh, tragic illness, one of them gets bit by a rat, I remember, an underground tunnel, you know, and the other one is simply busted every time he tries to get a better job. And so, like his... Uh, fathers at home. He's a hung man, but let's see. Um, it's one of the few films, El Norte, that focuses on the illegals themselves. Most of the Hollywood pictures, or um, well, the last ten years, most of the pictures seem to be about old border guards falling in love with uh, women in jeopardy, you know, Jack Nicholson sort of thing. Gets on my nerves. I guess the one I would pick to start with would be John Sayles' movie Lone Star that gets to the heart of the matter. It's not entirely about immigrants, but <laughs> it's about it's about the um, ethnic angst down there at the border. I was raised down there. I was born in Tucson, Arizona. Pima County, that's where it is now. The sheriff down there, I'm sure you've heard that sheriff on the radio last couple of days. Um, I assume, I, I think, listening to that argument, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that I'm more worried about the ecological disaster off Louisiana because I think that this mess, this, this, uh, what, uh, clear and present danger. In Arizona, I think we're going to be able to stop this. I think that uh, the good people there will simply refuse to follow through on this. Uh, let's see. It's supposed to be supposed to be three months from now that it all comes about. So there's plenty of time to get to the courts and say, enough already. You cannot outlaw your population after all. You know, <laughs> these are these are human beings. Um, there was an episode on my favorite show, Nurse Jackie, that used uh, an illegal to make a point. He is a funny character. 
it was um, this humorous bit. He uh, carries a pistola because he's in danger, you know. He's a laborer. And he's very funny. And uh, Jackie, he's got a concussion. Nurse Jackie uh, helps him out, sews him up. And uh, she sends the cops on a wild goose chase. <laughs> she says, walk out the front door. She says to me, he says, get out of my pistola. She says, are you out of your mind anyway? Edie Falco is wonderful as Nurse Jackie. She's my my hero of the hour. Actually, that show, uh, it's not just the swell actors, but the writers just zero in on the zeitgeist. Everything that's going down, I don't know. Obviously, they wrote these shows some time ago, but the, the, uh, the way that um, each episode, it's Monday nights on Showtime, each episode seems to hit right on... The uh, hit the nail on the head of what's going down. Um, you know, uh, the um, the healthcare, all that healthcare mess. Uh, we saw Nurse Jackie doing a number on the insurance companies. Uh, she knows how to manipulate human beings to make them do the right thing, as Doctor Kavorkian says about these doctors. He said the reason that they don't have, he said, they don't have any courage. He said, they know what's right, but they don't do it. That's the thing. God bless Dr. Kevorkian. Anyway, uh, Nurse Jackie, the character, uses Spanish, which is not just politically correct for a healthcare worker, but it's a basic assumption in the 21st century that we have to have healthcare workers who have at least Spanish and maybe another language. Uh, National Writers Guild gave this show the award for the best new series, but I noticed when it came to the Emmys, they weren't even mentioned. It's way too far out. This show's much too radical for the, uh, the male stream establishment. Yes. Um, there's plenty of balance. This is not uh, smarmy. This is not knee-jerk liberalism. There was one mom, Mexican mother, um, breastfeeding her baby, and she'd been drinking in the bathrooms, and Nurse Jackie had seen her uh, imbibing, told her to take it outside. Anyway, when she sees the mother breastfeeding, she runs up to her and grabs the baby and gives her holy hell and tells the husband to go and get formula and so forth. Uh, uh, this series just, it, it has this amazing serendipity. Whatever's going down, I can just snap it on and there I have a, um, uh, explanation of medical marijuana. They showed, um, a patient who was in serious pain and the doctors were doing their usual, well, it was basic BS, you know, uh, just covering their own behind and, um, uh, and Nurse Jackie figures out a way. She takes an apple, makes it into a bong thing. And anyway, she shows him how to use the good stuff. And then she goes home and makes a huge batch of chocolate chip cookies and takes it over and shows him how to stay medicated and comfortable. And he's um, happy and gets his appetite back. And it's just, you know, uh, um Medicine 1A, I kept thinking, <coughs> there must be a nice way to get this series into the medical school. We get the, get the interns to watch this show. I'm sure they're all watching it, but, uh, anyway, uh, 
they always have the au courant issues, uh, the things that people are concerned with. Uh, I remember, yes, the kind of healthcare workers I grew up with, the kind that just do whatever works, the way they cajole the doctors, you know, and even sometimes lie to them. And they're careful about that in this show. They even let good old Nurse Jackie make a mistake. Ah, yes, the follies of the compassionate. She sends home a family and telling them that the results of their tests are all very negative and everything's just fine. And the snotty, obnoxious doctor, who's the idiot in this show, uh, he had said to wait until the results were in because it's, of course, his job to say what's what. And uh turns out uh, there was something wrong. So then poor old Nurse Jackie has to pick up the phone and admit that she... She gave it the wrong call. I don't know. Um, I think maybe, let's see, I think that if we say that people err in the right direction, I remember people telling me that my father was too involved as a doctor, that he was too emotional, that he got carried away and uh, identified too much with his patients. I don't know. I guess you can... (laughs) It is just as easy to fall on your face as to fall over backwards. Uh, I listened this morning to one of our filmmakers, James Cameron, talking about his work, trying to get into the real world, trying to get out of his movie life. And uh, he made the movie Avatar, you know, James Cameron. Uh, he got the Oscar this year. He got it's the biggest grossing movie of all time. He's the guy. He made Titanic. That was the second biggest grossing movie of all time. But uh, he's got a new role uh, as a spokesperson for indigenous people. Now I don't know all the details of how he came to this, but he says he's learning a lot. He's trying to study it up, but he's making connections. And his fantasy film, Avatar, of course, is about endangered aliens, you know, people from another planet. Uh, nature being threatened, you get all the metaphors there. Anyway, his connection now is to the Amazon for real. And his current efforts... Uh, Oh, it's all about some some place in Brazil where they want to build a dam, and apparently this dam will be a serious threat to the ecosphere. Bad idea. The urban dwellers want to use natural resources to maintain the cities, you know. Uh, I'm always delighted to see artists move from fantasy, from their dreamscapes, uh, into the real world. Of course, as we all know, <laughs> they can make an incredible mess of it. <laughs> I I think, yes, what was it, hands-on work. What happened when the critic Pauline Kael tried to make a movie? That was a disaster. No, my favorite, my favorite uh, goof, goof-off is Werner Herzog. Oh, God, yes, film or death. That's what he used to yell when he was making that movie, Fitzgeraldo, about the the ship. But uh, I have an essay on Werner Herzog. I must bring that down to the station because I haven't looked at it for years. And it's very funny. He's one of those, um, oh, what do we call them? Uh, 
he goes too far. He goes over the edge, Werner Herzog does. Uh, his recent efforts, what is it, the movie he made was all about that grizzly bear. You remember, um, uh, I forget the name of the guy, he... He was crazy about grizzly bears, and he went to live with them, and sure enough, one of them ate him up. <laughs> Even ate his girlfriend. Oh, God. It was not funny. Not funny at all. And Werner Herzog took the footage, the film, and made quite a quite a movie out of that. Uh, I think he did get hold of something. I think he he showed us or illustrated for us what can happen. When we go too far into the natural world without understanding what the hell it is we're doing. But anyway, uh, that's not the James Cameron story. He seems grounded, I hope. Uh, I was thinking of the, the essay I was thinking of, the film or death essay. That was the one years ago. Uh, I remember Maureen Gosling. Uh, she worked for, uh, Werner Herzog. And, uh, Les Blank, a local filmmaker, they did some film, oh yes, um, Garlic is as good as Ten Mothers. Anyway, they went off to the Amazon to make that movie Fitzcarraldo. And I remember she told these wonderful stories about these filmmakers and how, uh, what is it? They, in the old days, the expression would be they, they went native. Anyway, it was a pretty crazy shoot. Um, but it, it's that situation where, uh, Werner Herzog tried with the best intentions in the world to help the indigenous people while he was um, down in uh, uh, Latin America. And uh, I don't remember, I don't remember if anybody actually died, but there were some pretty disastrous situations. Anyway, yes, that that's worth a read on the air. As soon as James Cameron uh gives us some more information about what he's doing down in the Amazon. I think it would be nice to contrast what he's doing with Werner Herzog's efforts to save the indigenous people in the Amazon. Bertolt Brecht always told us that art is a hammer with which to shape society. And <laughs> I I hope so. I hope so. Uh, the immigrant issue is certainly something... Everywhere nowadays, uh, I guess maybe we do need some, what would you call it, some underground filmmakers to get their cameras and get out there and uh, get this stuff, get your camcorder and get this stuff on tape and we'll get it to primetime television. Uh, I'm looking here, my pile of... Um, uh, uh, P, public statements, Oakland Community March for Immigrant Rights. Here it is, right. There is something happening. For those of you who like to get busy and do something, not just talk about it, Friday, April 30th, that would be this Friday, from 9.30 in the morning till 3 p.m., there's a march for immigrant rights. And it says, instead of May the 1st, we're choosing April the 30th because students and workers matter on a school work day. Okay. The march begins in East Oakland at 9.30 in the a.m. 100th Avenue and International, that's East 14th. 11 a.m. East Oakland March arrives at High Street. 
High Street and International East 14th, and then there's a rally at City Hall that lasts from 1 o'clock to 3 p.m. Okay. This is from the Youth United for Justice of Oakland. They are demanding a meeting with the mayor and the city council to present our resolution to turn Oakland into a sanctuary place for all. It says San Francisco is a sanctuary city. Why can't we have that in Oakland? Okay, right. San Francisco. No immigration raids allowed in San Francisco. So, Youth United for Justice wants to have the same deal in Oakland. Now, you can get them on the net. Let's see here. Youth United for, number four, the number, number four justice at yahoo.com. This one has capital letters uh, for the each noun. Youth United, number four, Justice United, at yahoo.com. There's also a phone number if you're interested. It says we're sacrificing work, school, shopping, and all that good stuff. Friday. We want to show that immigrants matter. So this Friday, there's a march in East Oakland going down to City Hall, the rally at City Hall. If you're not up for the march, you can get to the City Hall for the rally at 1 o'clock. Uh, the number you call is 510. That's the Five and Dime area code. If you want more information about how this is going down, starts at 930 in the morning. Okay. Five and Dime area code 776-3740. Once again, 776 776- Three seven four zero in the Five and Dime area code for the Oakland Community March for Immigrant Rights. This is for this is from Youth United for Justice. If you want to get on this immigrant bandwagon here, uh, <laughs> I was thinking, yes, immigrants. Thinking of the the people I knew back in. Uh, Oh, my God, the 1940s? Is that possible, the 1940s? Um, the, um, uh, well, most of them were actually indigenous Indians. It was in Wilcox, Arizona. And, of course, many of them were illegals, but in those days, we, <laughs> we just didn't talk about it. The Mexican workers uh there were a lot of them working on the railroad i remember uh when i was in wilcox arizona wilcox is a funny little town about 90 miles into the hills above tucson under two mountains called dos cabezos two mountains right and i had a little spanish sense all gone now anyway uh I do remember that the nurses um, there, there was always at least one Spanish-speaking nurse. And uh, uh, we were, what is that, if not politically correct, we were as humane as it got in those days. Uh, as as uh, Edie Falco points out on Nurse Jackie on the show, it is nurses who heal. Doctors just diagnose and act dramatic and appear uh, at the moment when 
things are serious, but uh, the follow-through, the day-by-day uh, care comes to us from nurses. Uh, there are some nurses writing books. I heard one this morning. Uh, the latest one is Chicken Soup is Not Enough. Have you heard that nurse? She's trying to demonstrate how the nurses are the ones playing a major role in health care. Now, I was only 15 when I worked in that little mountain hospital with my father. I stuck it out for a summer, I remember, uh, in Wilcox. And uh, I just wanted to, you know, leave town and go away and uh, be in the theater. But uh, I was thinking that, uh, you know, the persecution of immigrants, I just can't remember we had some draconian laws in those days. There were things you could do. Um, for the most part, no, though. I remember my father doing some work uh, spraying, yes, the malaria situation we did have. We did have, by golly, you know, the mosquitoes. Boy, we had some serious problems in Wilcox. Uh, but it's vague in my mind. Uh, what the laws were all about. Uh, I remember a child being brought in after a car accident. Kid's face was full of gravel. It was a bad, bad situation. Uh, and the mother, who spoke no English, was completely hysterical. And one of the nurses uh, had to hold on to her and explain that we couldn't knock the kid out. You know, could kill him, stop his heart, you know had to calm him down slowly and uh, remove some of the stuff uh, from his face before we could sew him up. Uh, I think what I enjoyed, what I enjoyed that summer, I think it was the maternity ward stuff. That's where I learned, uh, learned a lot. Uh, <laughs> the show nurse, Jackie, has, has already started in, yes, one of the, one of the minor, one of the, uh, central characters actually think she's pregnant. We're going to have some fun with that. But uh, I learned a lot about the baby business when I was 15. Um, I think most women, you know, go into their, well, their childbearing years and their first pregnancies and don't know zilch. I remember, I think the greatest shock I got... Uh, when I had newborns and the first, I don't know whether I'm allowed to discuss this on the air. I think I am. It's just medical, just medical. The baby, uh, the first uh, time a baby empties its stomach, its bowels, uh, you get something that is close to seaweed. Um, it's, well, it would be marine life, you know. <laughs> it is a creature who's been living marine life. It's a seaweed sort of affair. Most moms faint away with shock when they see this sort of thing, unless they have been told or have some experience with this kind of thing. But uh, anyway, uh, I think that the new rules, the new health care rules, just may allow some of our citizens to become medically literate. That's what I want. It would be a miracle. And, gee, I planned this whole show today to be about Dr. Kevorkian, because he's the one who suggests that Americans are not uh, medically literate.
He's been featured on TV this week. Uh, the comedy show Bill Maher had him on briefly for an interview. But there's also a movie. The movie has the great Al Pacino playing Kevorkian. And Jack Kevorkian himself says that the job that Al Pacino does, he called it superb. I would say sublime. Anyway, the film stars Brenda Vaccaro, Susan Sarandon, John Goodman. It's called You Don't Know Jack. And uh, I I recommend it. It's been playing, oh, I think it started last night, Sunday night. Try to find You Don't Know Jack. It's a winner. Not since Angels in America has Al Pacino had such a swell role. Uh, this was a very, is a very vulnerable, shy uh, man, a kind of saint. You don't know Jack. This has been Jennifer Stone. I'll be back on the air Thursday morning at 8.20 till then go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Invited to join Luna Kids Dance at their annual Spring Gala on May 1st, 7.30 p.m. at Kalaw Gallery in Berkeley. We invite you to put on your dancing shoes for an evening of boogieing to the tearjerkers, fun auction and raffle games, hosted bar and tasty nibbles. This benefit for Luna supports bringing dance to over 20,000 children. Bid on a Stinson Beach home, artwork, event tickets, and other fabulous silent and online auction items. We don't want you to miss your chance with the chocolate treasure chest and wine cellar raffle games. Sliding scale donation, $40 and up. Online auction opened April 14th and closes May 2nd. For more information, tickets, and to play the online auction, visit lunakidsdance.org or call 510-644-3629.